0: Availability is the greatest ability. It's one thing to have skills. It's another thing to have the knowledge. It's another thing to be near things. But if you're not actually available, there's not a lot you can do. Ask employers what's the greatest ability for any of their employees. And if they think of it, they're going to say that they show up. Because no matter how skilled they might be, if they don't show up, they can't do what they've been hired to do. The same is true in our relationship. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do to bring healing in a relationship is show up. Be available. We don't have to have the right words. We usually don't. We don't have to know everything we should do. But if we're there, we got a shot to get it right. I coached volleyball for several years and one of the things that I hammered home to my girls when I was coaching was if you're in the right position, you might make the right play. But if you're in the wrong position, I guarantee you'll make the wrong play. The same thing is true in our spiritual life. To be in the right position. And we've been looking for now a few weeks at the mission, the call, the vision that we have to connect, to grow and to serve, connecting to God as our Father and Savior, first of all, and helping others be connected to him, and then to be connected to one another, to grow in our faith with Christ, and to help others grow, teaching and being an example. And then today, we're going to start to look at this idea of serving, In fact, I titled this, uh, Serve the Forgotten Calling. You don't hear a lot of people advertise, come and learn how to serve. Come and learn how to lead. Come and learn how to get. But not a whole lot about, hey, let's figure out how to serve better. And yet it's what we have been called to. In fact, we were created for and called to something much more than just knowing the truth, though knowing the truth is a big deal. But we were called and created to live the truth. Too often, we focus on the method and miss the mission. We focus on what we know instead of on doing what we know. I've shared with you before, pastor friend of mine who decided his people weren't doing what he was preaching and he wasn't even sure they were listening carefully so he decided to preach the same sermon every Sunday until they noticed. He's a hero of mine. He really did. It took three weeks It wasn't until the end of the third time where he preached the exact same message that somebody finally came up and said, haven't we heard that before? John Maxwell used to say, I think I could tell people I don't need to preach anymore for at least six months until you start to do what you already know. And I thought, maybe six years. The truth is we've been called to serve, to follow Christ is a life of service because Jesus himself said the Son of Man, describing himself, did not come to be served, but to serve. So if we're going to follow him, we need to serve. So if you have your Bibles or looking at it on your devices or grabbing one uh, underneath the the chair in front of you, uh, we're taking a look here in the New Testament And we're looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 42. Now, one of these passages we think of often when it comes to serving, and that's the passage about the Good Samaritan. And we sometimes hear about the next little passage that's right after it in Scripture. And that's about Mary and Martha and Martha getting all frazzled because Mary wasn't helping her do all the things that Martha thought should be done. But they actually are connected. So let's take a look, beginning in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, "And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him. That's Jesus to the test, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to by the way, isn't that a dumb thing? Let me see if I can trick Jesus. In case you're thinking about that, don't do it. You'll fail." Just like this one did. But he said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But desiring to listen to this word, justify himself. He said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Do any of you have a kid like that? When you give them what they should do, they then go, well, exactly what does that mean? My parents had a kid like that. as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, that two days' wages, um, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And he had a, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Anytime somebody repeats your name, you need to pay attention Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. There are three questions that stand out to me in this passage that we just read. The first is that the lawyer, in essence, saying, What is right or best? That's a great question. What's right? What should I do? And he asked, how can I have eternal life? What he's really saying is, how should I live so that I make sure I'm with you in eternity? That's a great question. We all need to answer that question or hear the answer to it and obey it. What he was really saying is, what's right so that I will have eternal life, so that I will get the reward you have for your followers? That's a great question. But his follow-up question was one of those about, how little do I have to do? Instead of taking Jesus at his word, that this is how you have eternal life, and following him, being a disciple of his, and loving others, neighbor as himself, It says he wanted to justify, meaning he wanted to be able to be okay without doing everything Jesus wanted him to do. We're guilty of that a lot, aren't we? Kind of like, how close to the line of sinning can I get before I sin? The answer is don't go near it. Because if you're trying to measure exactly where that is, you're already thinking of the wrong stuff. And you're about to fall. He asked the question, what's right? Great question. But then he said, who's my neighbor trying to get out of something so I can justify myself when I don't serve? Because after all, there's got to be some I don't need to serve, right? There's got to be some I don't have to love, right? I've had people, somewhat surprisingly through the years, ask me many times, Pastor, exactly who do I have to forgive? Exactly who do I have to love? Are there people I don't have to? And I said, absolutely. You don't have to love anybody Jesus didn't love. You don't have to forgive anybody Jesus wouldn't forgive. What's fun is sometimes to see the face go, oh, yeah. Well, wait. Then look at this third question. This is a question that Martha asked. She said to Jesus, don't you care? Now, anytime somebody asks you that question, you need to get a clarification before you start answering. I remember an individual coming to me at one of my churches who was upset at some things that were taking place and things that I was doing and said, Pastor, why do you hate this church? I I said, Well, before I answer that, you need to tell me why it is you think I do hate this church. And he told me, and I said, Well, first of all, I don't hate this church. And secondly, here's why we're doing these things. But Martha just said, Don't you care? I think Jesus could have gone, Time out. Why are you saying that? Well, Martha answered, Don't you care? That Mary has hung me out to dry. Don't you care? I'm doing all this work. Look at how much I'm doing, Lord. And Mary isn't helping me a bit. She's just sitting there. And every one of us who has ever had a sibling or been married has probably thought, if not actually said, a question similar. A lot of guilty faces and heads dropping. Don't you care? Now, you see, I think the reason she asked this question and the reason we ask this question at times is what we're really doing is waving our arms at God saying, look at me, I'm working really hard. I know, maybe you, well, yes, you have. You've all done it. So have I. Don't you care? This isn't how I planned it. Don't you care? I'm not getting enough recognition for the things I'm doing. They filled out the program and thanked all the people who volunteered in that program, and they left my name off. Thank goodness there's a back door today that I can slip out of. I mean, how often do we figuratively, if not literally, wave our arms to God saying, Look at what I'm doing, instead of just doing what's right? We would save ourselves a lot of heartache if we'd quit asking that last question. Let me answer it for you God cares. There's a cross and a tomb that are both empty, by the way. That's what we're celebrating at Easter. That demonstrate how much he loves you. He cares. He might not care about the wrong things. He might not care that you get credit, but he cares for you. And he cares for the kingdom serving is kind of a forgotten calling and yet it's what jesus did and he told that lawyer and some people have gotten too hung up about the fact that he was a lawyer and dismissed this i've had people tell me well of course a lawyer said that i mean i had a lawyer in one of my churches who told me pastor do you know how many lawyer jokes there are i said i have no idea he said there's really only two he said all the rest of them are true stories But he told him, in verse 37, you go and do likewise. We're to go and do as he has done. We're to go and do as those who are following him are doing. And the greatest way to tell if somebody's actually following Christ is, are they serving Christ and those he loves? The story is incredible. The priest, the one who was leading everyone else in their religious duties, service, teaching. It says he came upon the person in need, but went to the other side. And then the Levite, another leader in the religious community, took a look at him and went to the other side. Now, in defense of them, humanly speaking... The laws and rules they were following, not following Christ, but following the laws and rules said they couldn't touch this guy because they thought he was dead. And they weren't supposed to touch a dead body. The problem is they didn't even get close enough to find out. They weren't drawn to somebody in need. They were repelled so that they didn't get dirty. We've been called to reach the world. We've been called to reach those next door. We gave this morning and we give every week so that people around the world can know. We've been called to that, but it starts where we are. Acts chapter one, Jesus told the disciples that when I leave, the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and then you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. And then in Judea, outside of that area. Then to Samaria, places much different than us. And then to the ends of the earth. We're called to all of it. But we start here. Now we're wrong if we only serve here and do nothing to help anywhere else. And we're just as wrong if we only serve somewhere else and not here. We're called to all of it. Jesus is the example, and he gave the example in this story of the Good Samaritan. Now, let me just say, for those of you who freak out when blanks don't get filled in, I can almost guarantee you we're not going to get them all this morning. But I'll make sure you get them next week if we don't get them all this morning, okay? So just relax. It's okay. If you really can't take it until then, email me, and I might send you some answers. They may or may not fit the blanks. The example, and we see this in verses 30 through 37. The example is, first of all, if you're going to serve, see. We got to see. We need to see the needs. Seeing is the first step. Being aware. Listening, seeing, noticing. It's amazing, isn't it? How much we don't notice at times. I had to have uh, some surgery in the eye a couple of years ago. And um, as Jody's driving me home from the hospital, I, I kept going, I don't remember that. And I saw a sign. I go, when did they repaint that sign? She goes, that's what it's always been. I go, no, it wasn't. It's never been that color. Well, I was finally noticing some stuff because I now had the ability to see it that I didn't have before. Spiritually some of us need to have a little surgery and ask God to remove whatever is preventing us from seeing what's around us. Now understand, though, if you're going to ask for that surgery, kind of like the one I went through, the actual procedure in the surgery took eight minutes The preparation for the surgery took two hours. Sometimes we give up on God working on us in the middle of the preparation because we'd rather have an eight-minute preparation for a two-hour experience instead of the other way around. We're called to serve, and to serve, we have to first see Notice the needs around you. Do you notice them? Secondly, the example is cross the road, (laughs) but make sure it's the right direction. Because the priest and the Levite crossed the road, they just went to the other side. How many times do we do that? Oops, saw it. Not interested. My wife has a unique ability. She has a lot of unique abilities. But she has a unique ability to be drawn. I mean, she literally cannot help herself if there's some crisis happening. The first time I remember, it's the first church we were pastoring at, and we're sitting at the table, I think, playing a game. Kids had gone to bed, and we're relaxing, and looked out the window and saw somebody breaking into a neighbor's vehicle. What? I hopped up, ran to the phone nine one one, and I turned around to say something to Jody, and the front door was open. She's standing out there going, Hey, get away from that. And I'm going, hey, get back in here. You don't know what they have. (laughs) On another occasion. We heard this ruckus, looked outside, and two ladies who were neighbors of ours were in a fight, literally. We've lived in some interesting places. (laughs) And I turned to go make the call. I turned around. Guess where she was? She was attempting to get between these two ladies. And next thing I saw was her rolling across the lawn. (laughs) Now, what I'm really saying is I need to be more like her. Because she saw the need and crossed to the other side. That's what we've been called to do. I'm not telling you to jump in a fight. I'm not telling you to try to tackle somebody who's robbing someone. What I'm telling you is notice what's around you. And get involved. Somehow, some way. Sometimes all we can do is pray. Sometimes all we can do is talk. And sometimes we get our hands dirty. Because real ministry gets messy. All three men in this parable crossed the road. Two of them crossed it away from the need. And one ran toward it. some of the greatest stories that came out of the tragedy on 9/11 of people saying they were evacuating those towers after they'd been hit and they were crumbling and they saw the rescue personnel entering the building figuratively we need to do the same to the needs around us to the people that are in our path, that God wants us to get in their path. We need to be more like the Samaritan. And you have to understand in this story, when Jesus was telling this and who he told it to, Samaritans, they had nothing to do with Samaritans. In fact, they thought it was wrong for them to get near them, talk to them, do business with them. And here was a Samaritan who was the hero. But the heroic act started with seeing and crossing the road. What do you see around you? When was the last time you crossed the road or the sidewalk or the aisle to minister to a need, to hold a hand, to listen, to help in some way? It's what we've been called to And it needs to quit being the forgotten calling. It needs to be the frequent calling. You see, the example is seeing the need and crossing the road. And the example is also one of sacrifice. Because if you notice, he sacrificed time. He sacrificed some of his treasure, his money. And he certainly sacrificed his own comfort to meet a need. When will we follow this example? Albert Schweitzer said, "I don't know that you're, I don't know that you're, what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Happiness isn't the goal obedience is. A deeper life is. And we will be obedient and have deeper faith if we serve. You know what? We're going to mess it up at times. We're going to try to serve and it, we're just going to blow it. But if you're going to err, err by serving. Not by trying to figure out how to serve perfectly. Perfectly go ahead and throw open the door and yell, hey! At least you're in it at that point. We've been called to serve. Now I want you to notice also though, something that I don't think I've heard very often as we've looked at this passage. And that is what I call the follow-up. The good Samaritan bound the person's wounds, got them to an end, cared for them for as long as they could in that moment, then gave instructions for somebody else to take care of them, paid the money, and then came back to check on them. It's called follow-up. And when we are in a position that we can, and we usually can, we need to follow up with those We serve with those, we help with those in need. Even in our prayers. Somebody gives you a need and you pray for it. We need to do a better job of coming back and saying, how's that going? For two reasons. One, to remind them that we're praying. And two, that they know we're going to keep praying. Because if you follow it up, they're more likely to let you know the next time there's a prayer need. We have been called to serve by following Christ and his example. And we need to make sure that we recognize the example of seeing the need, crossing the road to the need, sacrificing for the need, and then following up in whatever way we can let me ask you who are you serving especially who are you serving that you can see or communicate with it's great to give to alabaster one of the tough things about this is most of us will never see or meet the people we're helping that's okay but the problem is we can do that and keep our hands clean we can do that and Just sacrifice a few dollars, not any time or effort. Who are you serving that's costing you some time? Who are you serving that's costing some comfort that's outside of your comfort zone? Who are you serving that might knock you across the lawn on first blush? Serving has become the forgotten calling. And if we're going to follow him, and if we're going to be who God has called and created us to be individually and collectively as a church, we have to make it a frequent calling. So who do you need to cross the road to this week? Jesus, thank you. for the example you've given in everything you did and the example you gave for us from the Good Samaritan, the example you gave and how you responded to Martha. Lord, help us to recognize that learning about you is a part of it and serving, living it out must follow up the learning. In fact, it's probably how we learn the best. So, Jesus, this week, even today, even on our way home, begin to open our eyes. Give us clarity to see the needs. And give us courage to cross the road, to cross the aisle, to cross the sidewalk, wherever we need to go to reach out and serve. Lord, you're going to need to give us a lot more courage than we currently have. But we need to be obedient to what you show. Lord, guide us this week to begin to change from a forgotten call to a frequent call. I pray this for myself as well as for all who are here and those listening online. May we Serve like you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.